The following presentation was recorded at the Newbury Buddhist Monastery, Victoria, Australia. Please visit our website at nbm.org.au. Good evening and welcome to another live stream from a Newbury Buddhist Monastery. Thanks for tuning in, um, either live today or um, on another um, day. This will be available on YouTube later down the track. So we can practice together. On Monday nights, we usually do a meditation. And the format uh, means that we are giving a little bit of an instruction, a little bit of an intro in the beginning. And then we sit together for roughly 45 minutes. And there is a bell at the end of those 45 minutes for you to come out of meditation. There will be a bit of guidance during the meditation. Usually it's in the beginning of the meditation and then towards the end before I um, ring the bell. There is an opportunity to ask questions. So you can uh, type those questions in on live chat uh, at any time and they will be raised at the end of uh, the session when the meditation is over. Um, yes, my name is Bhante Bodhidhaja and I am happily stuck here at Newbury Buddhist Monastery um, during the rains retreat. I came over here from Bodhinyana Monastery where I have been living for yeah, roughly 10 years now. I came to Australia in 2010 uh, as a layperson to go through the process of becoming a Nanagarika, that's a postulant, then a novice, and then after two years of training to become a fully ordained monk under Ajahn Brahm, who just recently had his birthday, so we were thinking of him last week, and I also mentioned him during the last talk. So the monks over in Western Australia are also having their rains retreat at the moment. We are quite lucky in a sense. Um, in the monastery that it is very very quiet um, because the restrictions are there but of course um, we are aware that it is a difficult situation for everyone and we're very grateful for all the people who are supporting us in this time so that we have enough food and enough requisites so we can we can practice here at the monastery Yeah, I didn't quite know what I should talk about tonight. I had different ideas floating through my head. But I thought maybe we can talk a little bit about what this word practice, practicing means. What it means to be a practicing Buddhist. Because you will have noticed I've used this word a couple of times already, um, saying that we will be practicing together. So very often... When people talk about practice, it means meditation for them. But that is a very, very narrow view. The teachings of the Buddha, of course, they include meditation, and that's maybe one of the things that is a bit more well-known in the world, or that is kind of our advertisement, or people are talking about mindfulness, and when you hear mindfulness, it's all about mindfulness meditation. But there is so much more that comes with it. And for the people who have been listening to the talks that I was giving recently, one aspect, of course, of practicing is sila, are the virtues. 
um, is morality. So if we want to maybe try to describe what practice might mean in a broader sense, so we don't just narrow it down on sitting on a cushion or doing walking meditation or eating meditation or whatever it might be, it just means how we are relating to whatever is happening in the present moment, with what attitude we are relating to those things. And of course, when we are sitting on our cushions and closing our eyes, we are practicing that part. And we're practicing that so it can inform what we're doing out in the world. But it also works the other way around. What we do out in the world and how we behave, how we relate to the people that we meet, how we relate to our own bodies out there, how we relate to the world, to what happens to us, is what we are bringing into our formal practice, as people call it, what we bring into our meditation practice when we sit down on a chair or lie down or sit on a, on a mat, on a cushion, and um, meditate. So one of the things which is important to understand is that we only have one mind. It's not like when we sit down, suddenly the mind we had in the world out there kind of is switched off suddenly and we have a different mind that we kind of work with. It's the same mind that we carry from the world into meditation and the same mind that we carry from meditation into the world. So meditation might be a bit more of a controlled environment. So it's like a training camp. So when people uh, go and play footy, for example, <laughs> even though we have the pandemic going on, um, the footy is still happening, I'm hearing, and um, it's, it's very good for some, some people to still have that in their life because it's, it's an important part of their life. So you have the game, and the game of footy is like life. It's like when you're out there and you are doing what you have been practicing for a long period of time before. So the meditation, the formal meditation practices, is this practicing, is this training camp, is this um, honing of the skills. And when we are training in a formal way, we can sometimes kind of narrow down on certain aspects or we can exclude certain aspects um, that we have to face in day-to-day -day life that we don't have to face in meditation. So that can be, can be useful. But if we just do that during the meditation practice and it doesn't flow into what we do in our lives, then um, there's not much, not much point practicing, really. And also the other way around. If our lives are just so completely um, different, so completely um, out of sync, out of balance with what we are trying to develop, and the skillful mind states, the skillful ways of relating to things in meditation, it's very, very unlikely that suddenly it just happens. So if we do um, practice the principles of Buddhism, um, how we act, how we think, and how we speak out in the world there, that will generate peace, that will generate happiness, that will generate a blamelessness, 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 
as the Buddha called it. It's the blameless happiness. It's the happiness of having no regret, the happiness of knowing we have done the right thing. Or, even if we have done the wrong thing, knowing that we tried, that we really tried to um, know the principles that we are trying to develop, to value them, and to practice. And practice means failing as well. It's part of practice that things go wrong every now and then. And through those mistakes, we can actually learn. <clears throat> so it's a little bit like uh, I was talking during my Dhamma talk about um, games. And games are there for us to have an environment where um, we are kind of safe and um, it's, it's not threatening and we can practice, we can hone certain skills. So it's also good to bring this kind of playfulness, this um, happiness, this humor into our practice, into our formal practice, into the sitting meditation or even, you know, <laughs> into life in general. And one other thing that kind of crossed my mind because I was talking about it yesterday and reading out one of the suttas where it talked about sila, about virtue being a gift. So let's see if we can see the time that we carve out to sit down to do our formal practice as a gift as well, something that we are giving to ourselves. So it's not another duty we have to get out of the way. It's not another thing that we just have to do because we are Buddhist monks or because we are Buddhist practitioners or because someone told us that it's good for us. It's something we are gifting to ourselves. Or even just gifting that kind of time, gifting our body to the present moment to whatever is happening or to the Buddha or to whatever kind of makes sense for us. But if we look at it from the perspective of a gift more than a duty, then we will be entering into this endeavor of practicing in a different mind state. And another thing that kind of arose for me this afternoon as well was I do have this kind of <laughs> almost 24-7 show happening outside my window <laughs> because we live in nature here. And uh, of course, during nighttime, it's, it's more quiet, but we have a few animals that uh, are nocturnal and we have a few birds that start chirping very early in the morning, like four o'clock or something. I have, I have a magpie. I don't know if it's the same one, but so next, uh, it's a tree quite close to my place and it starts just um, chirping away or whatever the, the magpies do. They, they do lulu <laughs> early in the morning. But uh, pretty punctual around, say, maybe 5.30ish is the time when the wombats come out. And yesterday I had three and today I had three wombats again. And it kind of reminded me of what we will be practicing uh, in meditation as well. So if you see those wombats or if you see nature outside of your window, like your mind and your body, there is a connection there. You're part of nature. You're part of this environment you live in. But the influence you have on it is limited. They kind of have a mind on their own. So your own mind has a mind on its own as well. So 
just sitting there and watching those beings um, doing their thing, <laughs> what they do in life, and trying to develop awe and respect and gratitude, as I was talking about during my Dhamma talk, and just kind of watching them and creating that attitude in our heart. And uh, yeah, who knows, those beings might be aware that there's someone watching. <laughs> but if you watch with kindly eyes, or if you, you know, walk kindly, respectfully, if I'm outside, uh, what was it, I think it was this morning? Or was it yesterday in the evening? I can't remember anymore, but it was quite foggy. And I was walking fairly slowly so I wouldn't disturb the, the animals out there. And uh, I think the wombats, they don't see that well. <laughs> Their seeing is not that strong. So if there is a kangaroo which looks a bit odd and is not kind of hopping around, but it's kind of brownish, you know, and it kind of moves uh, kindly. So that one wombat started walking towards me. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I stopped and it just kind of walked right past me. And if we can kind of have that attitude when we are practicing in meditation, because meditation is really the time of letting go and of not interfering, then our thoughts can be just, you know, grazing out there and they might come, you know, walking towards us. But like that wombat, they just kind of like, you know, they walk past and they go, oh yeah, that's another being here, that's fine, all right. It's not going to hurt me. <laughs> and they kind of walk past and uh, go their own way. And that's the way we can practice um, during sitting meditation as well. That when a thought arises, when things arise in our body, that we... Um, acknowledge them, that we connect with them, but in a kind way, but that we don't control them, that we let them uh, run their own course, that we let them run their own um, kind of according to their own nature without interfering. And the other thing is also, as I was thinking of, you know, 24-7, because there are so many things happening out in the world now, there is, I think, those channels that have 24-7 news and they're blurting out all the information, mostly about coronavirus, I guess, and, and so many other things that are happening in the world. But just reflecting on, if you watch that, it influences your mind and your emotions. And it influences your mind and emotions in a way that is kind of stirring you up, that is hyping you up, that is making you afraid, um, that is making you... I don't know, um, agitated, sad even. If you watch the Nature Channel, it's something which is very relaxing. It's something which is very gentle and very kind and very, very peaceful. So I really enjoy watching the Nature Channel here. Sometimes we, we do, you know, keep, uh, keep uh, informed so we also know what's happening and if there is anything we have to do in terms of the coronavirus. But uh, we try to keep it to a minimum and we sometimes get together and, and just have a look together what's happening, maybe discuss it, brief, uh, brief ourselves and then, then uh, let it go and go back to being in those more peaceful states. Of course what is happening out there is nature as well, but the news have this kind of way of trying to grab our attention in a way which I don't think is really, uh, really wholesome. I don't think that the animals out there are trying to grab our attention, but they do. 
they grab our attention, but they grab it in a very, very different way. They pull us in into peace and into quiet and into very nice mind states. Okay, I hope that is a little bit of introduction. Um, I hope you're not completely new to meditation, but sometimes if you're completely new to meditation, that's great. Then you don't know what to do and you just don't do anything and that's the right thing <laughs> to just let go, to just watch and be kind and let things unfold. So if you are in a place where it's noisy um, or there's lots of people around, there's lots of things happening, it, it might be helpful if you can move to a place where you feel safe, where you feel you have a bit of an environment, where it's quiet. If you're using your device, um, which most likely is the case, <laughs> and you're connected to the internet, maybe see if you can put it on um, Don't Disturb, so you won't have, you know, whatever, emails or news coming in during the meditation, dinging away, trying to grab your attention. Yes, and find a place to settle, to sit down and get your body in a comfortable position. So that might mean that you want to wiggle a little bit if you've already been in a good position. But try to see if you can find a position that you can maintain for a bit of time, but without, without strain, without force. And then I invite you to gently close your eyes, if that's something which is okay for you. If that's not okay, you can just leave them slightly open or, or gaze onto the floor in front of you. But if you can close them, that is actually the best. Because that helps you to focus, to put your attention on what is happening in the present moment. And what is happening usually, first of all, in your body. Now we talked about practice out in the world where we have thoughts, where we have speech and where we have action. These things are still happening even though you have your eyes closed. There will still be thoughts. There will still be speech, not in a way like I'm speaking now, but there will be inner speech. There will be inner commentary. Let's see if you can have a kind commentary. Instead of having like this news voice in your head, or I don't know, <laughs> a voice that is kind of harsh with you, try to see if you can have a voice that is soft and gentle. And then if there is some actions, some movements on the, of the mind which manifest in the body, which means maybe sometimes, you know, being kind to your body, scratching or moving it, especially in the beginning of the meditation. See if we can do that with the right attitude.
So great, you have already tuned in and you're now ready to give yourself the gift of just sitting, observing nature, conditioning as it unfolds in the present moment. And like those animals out there, they're doing their own thing. Your body is doing its own thing. It brings the conditioning with it from what happened before, what happened during the whole day, what happened in your life before maybe as well. See if you can just watch it, like I was watching the animals through the window. With delight, with interest, without judging or being harsh. And if you do it in this way, without telling your body what to do, see what it does all by itself. One of the things it, for example, does it, it follows gravity. So if you don't interfere, you will notice that a lot of your parts of your body don't really need any force, don't any need any kind of tension that has to go into your posture. So it's very, very little tension or very, very little kind of movement or interference from you that is required to have this body just sit there. If you let it sit there, Usually what happens is that the shoulders relax. And they're naturally pulled downwards. Because your arms and your hands are pulling them, stretching them gently towards the ground.
And as the rest of your body doesn't really have a job to do, also your organs will tend to just slow down. and relax. Like your belly. And also with your breathing, there's nothing much to do, so there's less oxygen needed. So your breathing will just naturally slow down. and also usually become more deep. If it is shallow, it's very often an indication that it doesn't feel at ease. It might feel watched, might feel kind of controlled and restricted. So see if you can back off. And just let it do its thing. And as I was using the word watching, that might kind of indicate for you that the eyes are involved in this, but you're not seeing with your eyes. You're seeing with your mind, you're feeling with your heart. So your eyes don't really have a job either. So they can relax. The same with all of your muscles in your face. You can let them hang loose.
and with the muscles inside of your body as well. Like the tongue, for example, in your mouth. Your muscles around your jaw. And whatever is inside your head and your neck. Your shoulders and your chest. Your lower back and your belly. And also the hips. And your arms and your legs from the inside out. Where we can't actually reach physically. But we can reach there with our minds. We can let our attention and our kindness flow there. And also into our hands. And into our feet. They're actually very sensitive, you know. There's usually a lot going on there. And as for myself, it's usually quite pleasant what's happening in my hands and my feet, especially in my soles of the feet and in the palms of the hands. See if you can tune into that aliveness that is happening in those areas of the body. Often felt as tingling or heat. Or pressure, 
but a very soft type. And let's see if we can let that tingly, delightful energy spread throughout the whole body of ours, radiating from the feet upwards into the legs, and from the hands into your arms. making your way to the shoulders that way and to the hips from the hips upwards through the torso so those energies can meet in the heart area, merge in the heart area. And once they have merged, they can radiate out into the neck and the head as well. So that hopefully by now you have this tingling, warm field of energy. Which is the body of yours. Being alive and ever changing.
rejoicing in a subtle happiness that arises from just observing. from befriending and from the relaxation and ease that is created that way And the more relaxed and at ease and settled your body is, the more it will tend to fade into the background. The more you will just very naturally be drawn in to the beautiful still feelings that arise from just watching this process, allowing it to unfold. And as we watch the body in this way and it hopefully calms down, we might notice that the thoughts and emotions calm down at the same time. If they're there, just let them come and let them go. Be respectful, quiet and kind so they will just walk past like that wombat walked past me minding its own business. So we don't disturb each other, we coexist. And once things calm down and settle, 
usually the last bodily function that we are aware of is our breathing. If that happens naturally, great. If not, you can invite the breath to hang out with you. Or you can watch it from a distance. Watching the nature channel of your breathing coming in and coming out. See if you can have a nature channel which is on mute so you have no commentator. Just the experience of breath happening in the present moment. Breathing and simply knowing that you are breathing. One breath at a time. Watching with interest, with kindness, in awe and with delight. I'll let you sit in silence now. silent observer.
And as we are drawing closer to the end of the meditation, connect again with your body. And with what is happening in your mind. And see what the effects of the gift that you have given to, to yourself. What the effect is. And even if it was hard, what could you learn? How could you train your mind to just observe and be kind? To see how nature unfolds. How sleepiness comes and how sleepiness goes. How thinking and commentary, aches and pains, how they come and go. And most importantly of all, how we relate to them. And what the relating creates. So as the mind starts to move again, you can also get in touch with your body and have it move and wiggle a little bit. To get back in touch with it. And then as I ring the gong three times, the singing bowl, you can make your way at your own pace out of meditation. So I see we do have some questions. I just thought I'll say a few words before we get to the questions. 
I didn't want to interrupt the process of the meditation uh, because I hope some people were able to get peaceful and quiet and still, so I didn't want to <laughs> barge in. But as with the animals, sometimes we get a bit too close, sometimes we get a bit too involved, and that creates some friction in your body or in your mind. So. Uh, quite a few days ago, I was actually out there, <laughs> close to the wombat hole, <laughs> to see if I could get some footage for my friends and uh, and family. And it was this kind of game between the wombat and me, <laughs> kind of coming closer and going further away and and kind of being still and gaining the trust of the animal. So it would start to kind of move again and, and come a bit more out of its hole. <laughs> so that's often what happens in meditation as well. So if there is um, some friction that arises, let's call it friction, some interference that arises with that process. So we're not just watching, we're not just seeing what's happening, unfolding in nature. Then that kind of trust um, that we have built which lets us and the object of meditation, the body or the mind relax, kind of starts to tense up a little bit. And then it is very important that we relate in a way which doesn't aggravate that tension or that fear of the animal so it would retrieve back into its burrow and we can't hang out with each other. So that will be happening in meditation every now and then. And to just see what you can do, how you can relate to regain that trust again. Okay, let's see if we have a question which is exactly about that or something else <laughs> completely different. Thank you, Bande. The first question, let's talk about animal. Okay. As a monk, which is better for you? Living with lions, tiger, elephant, etc. in the jungle mm -hmm. or with humans in the society? What, what is better? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, in the Buddhist tradition, especially in the Theravada tradition, where we do have forest monasteries, and the term forest monastery doesn't necessarily mean that it is in a forest, but it's the word aranya, and aranya means wilderness. So as monastics, we're encouraged to live in the wilderness because nature just has its ways of being very natural about things. <laughs> we human beings tend to be much more kind of... Uh, creative in having concepts and building you know streets and buildings and houses and things that kind of complicate things so i do feel it is easier to relate to wild animals but of course um you know we we relate to all animals <laughs> we relate to human beings as well in the end so we are encouraged to have this seclusion and nature can be something which can be really kind of 
um, supporting that idea of how nature plays out and to feel aloof and to feel secluded. Um, but uh, it's, it's just a question of time. Um, you know, there is times where we spend our time with other human beings and there is the time where we spend our time with other living beings. But there is also the time where we close our eyes and practice uh, formally <laughs> sitting meditation, walking meditation, whatever it might be. And then we actually withdraw from all beings <laughs> in that sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I hope <laughs> that answers the question. Uh, yeah, there's more. You said first question, so <laughs> we have yeah, a few. Yeah, that was just the first one. Yes. The second one. While practicing meditation, one will let go everything except meditation objects. While not meditating, how not to let go important things? Mm. Okay, uh, there's a few parts to the question. So in meditation, we we don't let go of the meditation object. Well, in a sense, we are allowing whatever is happening out there to unfold, and that becomes our meditation object. But I think we often think about this in the wrong way. We think we are focusing on something and putting our attention on something, and that is our meditation object, I often like to point out that we are actually just opening ourselves up, that we are being receptive. And that is a movement which creates a focus, but it's not a focus where we are kind of uh, consciously... <laughs> in the beginning, we, we use a little bit of, you know... Um, guiding the mind in a certain direction but at a certain point it starts to evolve by itself and the attention is naturally drawn to the meditation object so it's not that much of a kind of uh, leaning towards focusing on the object itself and I think that is something which can be practiced out in life as well um, when you're in a situation, just to be aware of what is happening around you. Of course, if there is certain things that you want to remember, then you put them in your mind, and they usually, if you are relaxed and if you're mindful, they will arise at the right time, but it's not like you are holding on to that one thought or you're holding on to that one concept. I often try to describe it to people when they are learning because I used to be a primary school teacher. So you want to be awake and aware when you're sitting in the classroom or when you are being exposed to learning something. But if you are so focused on learning that one thing that the teacher is just saying or really focused on that topic, you kind of get lost and you can't really learn. You're not really present. You're not really there to hear what comes in the next moment. So that awareness that we have is, <laughs> is, is, is there, but it is moving with the time. It is moving with the topic. It is moving with the present moment. 
So that holding on and that grasping is something which eases and relaxes and kind of falls away. And you, you, you are there. <laughs> One of the similes maybe that can help is um, in biology, we had um, a little model actually in our school to explain to us how the birds hold on to the branch at nighttime without falling off. So they go asleep, but you don't you don't go outside in the morning and you find like all the all the birds lying around after a windy night because they fell asleep and they got knocked off the trees. So what happens is when they relax, their legs relax, but their claws and the muscles are built by biology in such a way that when they relax, they naturally grab onto um, the branch. But it is a different kind of grabbing on. It's a natural grabbing on that happens. So I hope that kind of helps to uh, try and describe this process of being fully in the moment, but without actively grasping or actively trying to squeeze the moment for something it just kind of flows out of the moment very very naturally when we actually relax it's it's a bit of a conundrum it's a bit of a koan but i hope i could describe it okay there's more the last one good dear bandai i develop listening skills now all people talk like crazy about their problems with me. Mm. How to deal with all these problems now? Thank you. Yes. So you have developed listening skills, which is wonderful. But we should listen to all parties involved. So we are listening to the person that we are with, but we are also listening to our own body and to our own mind at the same time. And if we feel that we are starting to tense up, if we feel that we are starting to get tired, that it is too much, then it's okay to share that with the other person. If we have the capacity to sit there, as Ajahn Chah said, like a rubbish bin with a hole in the bottom where people can talk, 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 and it just kind of goes through us. In Switzerland, we say Göschen and Nairolo. This is like the two places where the Gotthard tunnel, tunnel goes. So in, in one ear, out the other ear. If that is happening, if it's flowing, and if there is no tension in the body, and if there is no tension in the mind, and you are actually enjoying being there, you're actually enjoying engaging with that other person, then it's okay. But if that is not the case, then uh, something is not quite right. The relationship is not um, healthy. So then it's okay to take as much as you can and uh, be considerate and, and listen to the other person, but then say, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm a bit tired or thanks for spending some time with me. And, and you know, move out of the situation because sometimes people who talk a lot don't listen to themselves. So it's important that they also listen to what they are saying. 
<laughs> it doesn't mean when they're just talking and you're doing li doing the listening that you know after they've talked to you that's uh, that's done <laughs> if they are able to listen to themselves as well and be receptive and open and uh, caring towards themselves uh, then then it works so you can bring that into the conversation but it's something that has to kind of spread to the other person as well. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I don't know. It's almost like they're throwing up, you know, <laughs> kind of throwing up at you, and it might relieve them for a little while. But uh, it's 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 not it's not that helpful. Um, yeah, try to see if you can find find ways. Uh, to maybe just go for a walk with that person, say, look, I've been listening to you, um, uh, wonderful, let's listen to nature now for a little while, together. <laughs> we had one thing, we had one thing in our family, it was kind of like a, like a way of saying, it's a bit, bit too, too much, it's a bit too loud, we would just say, oh, let's listen to the birds. <laughs> Which kind of meant like okay enough enough talking, <laughs> let's do a bit of a bit of bit of listening. Yeah, try try to find ways. Ah, oh, there's there's one more question. Okay, <laughs> if I if I carry on talking, there might be coming more questions. Anyway, I will pull out at some stage if I feel it's too much. <laughs> yes, please go for it. Why is the breath long? Is uh why the breath is long sometimes mm -hmm. and short sometimes? Hmm. That's a good question. Investigate. It can have different reasons. Different bodies work in different ways. So sometimes the body needs to breathe short breaths. Sometimes it needs to breathe long breaths. So it's not that much about short or long. So I did mention in the beginning that it tends to be that the breath becomes long and kind of deep like when you're sleeping and it goes into your belly very, very naturally. But if you're not interfering with your breath and your breath is going in short and coming out short, it will have a reason. It will be okay. Let it do its thing. That's one of those things. Let yourself be breathed. Don't breathe. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think I, I have to say much more. Try, try to kind of feel what that means. Is it possible to observe yourself breathing? Observe yourself thinking? So you're kind of sitting there and it almost feels like it's not your thought. It's not your breath. It's just something which is happening and another kind of part of you is watching what is happening. So I don't, I don't have an explanation for it. Sometimes the breath can be short and shallow if we are tense, if we are stressed, if we are uh, not, not in a happy state. But sometimes um, the body just needs to take a few short breaths for some reason to get a bit more oxygen and uh, that is perfectly fine. <laughs> let it let it do its thing okay that is all the questions good so i wish you a pleasant night for the people who have joined in now and please 
Be gentle and kind with yourself in this difficult time. Please relate to this time of COVID, to all the other people around you, to the mind states, to your body in a wholesome way and take that as your practice during day-to-day -day life and practice it during meditation and let it flow into your day-to-day -day life so that these two areas don't become so distinct that they flow very naturally into each other. Okay, I wish you good night and goodbye.